Prayer request. Pray for the embassy in Sudan that they had to evacuate all them people and there was bombing and stuff going on. Pray for them. I saw that on the news last night. Sudan is in the middle of the Civil War. And it's military against military. Two generals are fighting to take over that country. Yeah, pray for all the Americans to get out. Yeah. It's going to be uh, quite interesting. Yeah. We just need to pray for everybody. Everything, yeah, because it's um, heating up. Yes, it is. It's heating up. Read an article from Israel just the other day in a he's a British attache or was a British attache for the United States and he says that Russia will attack the UK within the next couple of years and I'm like oh that's going to be interesting that will indeed be the start of World War Three. Maybe that's why Charles is trying to get William in there and get himself out of there. Did you hear about that? That he's trying to get William. Well, if you if you follow Nostradamus, which I don't, by the way, but I do like to read those kind of things. Nostradamus supposedly predicted that Charles wouldn't be in office for very long, but William wouldn't be the next king. The next king would be a surprise to the world. According to the experts of Nostradamus, they, bring Harry back. they don't know who. That, of course, you know the quatrains mm -hmm. of Nostradamus are quite um, confusing, and you can read whatever you want to into them. So you take that for what it's worth. If you like Nostradamus, again, I don't, but I wanted to throw that out. King Charles won't be king for long, and the next king will be a surprise. Maybe it'll be Putin. Maybe Putin will take over the. UK. Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's not funny. We we really do need to pray though. Uh, yes, it's yeah. it's getting it's getting very very interesting. What happens there is going to affect here. Oh yes. It's with the export and all that. Yeah. One of the lines that Putin said he would not allow to be crossed was Finland joining the uh, and and they just did. Yeah. Finland just Finland just joined NATO and that was a line. I don't know what Putin's going to do about it, but. That was a line. Do remember the church. Do remember uh, each other in the church. Yeah. That we continue to work and go for God. Um, a lot of things are happening. Uh, not not in the church, but a lot of things that are happening affects churches. And the way the world is going is because the church went that way first. The church needs to turn around and get back so that the countries can get back. That's all, and it's going to take God. That's all it will take. No man or woman can save the United States. It's God. That's the only salvation. Any others? Continue to remember my friends in Tennessee, remember Barbara Evans. She's not on yet, but or I don't think she's on yet, but uh, do remember her and her family. Remember my family? All, all of us has got issues. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. 
Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand, even as we are sitting here this morning. Lord, that you'll touch and anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. We decided we was going to go back, or I decided we was going to go back, and we was going to go back to the previous verse, because I don't really think we covered it completely, so that's that would be verse 8 of Habakkuk chapter 2. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee, because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and of all that dwell therein. Babylon had destroyed many nations or spoiled many nations. Babylon would be spoiled not only by the Medes and the Persians, but by the remnant that was left of the nations that had been conquered by Babylon. Babylon would conquer a nation, they would take captive the, the people, and they would move them into the country, the empire of Babylon somewhere. When the Medes and the Persians attacked, the people that had been attacked and had been overthrown by Babylon, they threw in with the Medes and the Persians. And it was not only an external battle, but it was also an internal battle. And that happens a lot in wars, especially in the older days. I mean, you, you see it happening quite a bit with the, the people that longed to return to their homeland. They would throw in with whomever was attacking the victors, and, and they would try to win their victory back or their freedom back. Thank God we don't have to do that as Christians. Thank God we don't have to do that spiritually. We don't have to throw in with Satan because we shouldn't want to leave Christ. But as I said earlier, the way the church is going is because, or the way that the world is going is because of the way the church is going. Churches have welcomed in every ideology. And I don't normally throw rocks at one denomination or one religious order, but you can see a, a religious movement, if you will, that are actually throwing in with the Muslims. They are inviting the Muslims into their their temples and their tabernacles and their headquarters, and they're having joint church sessions between this one movement and the Muslim movement. And I use that word as loosely. I don't like to call the Muslims a, a religious, but they are religious. They are very spiritual. It's just not they're, they're not looking at the right God. They're following the wrong one. Muhammad, he's dead. He's been dead. He will always be dead. He won't ever raise again until the judgment, and then they're going to learn that he's going to be cast into the hell, into hell if he did not make it right with Jesus and God before he left here. But this one religious order, so the largest so-called Christian belief system, I don't consider them very Christian-like, because they don't pray to God or Jesus. They pray to someone else. They pray to a female a lot of times. Again, I'm trying not to name names, but I think you already probably have figured out who I'm, who I'm talking about. But they are having joint church sessions with Muslims and their people. Is this part of the Antichrist? 
Yes, it is. Yes. It's you have the Antichrist and you have the false prophet, and the false prophet is the head of the world church. Using that word as loosely as possible, a worldwide church movement will take place. And they are trying to usher in that universal church by bringing in the Muslims. They've also brought in Jewish rabbis to have joint sessions. And they regularly meet with the leaders and the heads of some of these other movements and trying to make it so that they can uh, compromise and join forces. It is the start of the worldwide church. And I'm not talking a good church. This church is the fault will be headed by the false prophet. The false prophet, yes, he will have power that Satan gives him. And he will look like he's able to do all kinds of uh, miracles. They're false mm-hmm. miracles. They're they're not lasting. They're not they're not real. A lot of it's illusion. If you remember anything about the end times, you'll know that the false prophet puts up a statue of the Mm -hmm. Antichrist, and that statue, oh my gosh, starts talking and prophesying. Well, that's easy to do these days because, you know, of our micro recorders and things. That's real easy to do. Back then, that would have been astronomically, oh wow, that's, but now, now we have. We have robots. <laughs> we, they are developing artificial intelligence. And it very well could be that the, the false prophet's statue is a robot of the false prophet with artificial intelligence. It's extremely possible. But that false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire, as well as the Antichrist and the other followers. But we see it happening. We see it happening all around us now. The nations will pay Babylon back for all the blood that Babylon spilled in wars and in the enemy's cities. Now, Babylon didn't fight fair, and they didn't fight nice. Matter of fact, they were pretty brutal. They killed men, women, children. It didn't matter. They would literally throw people off of the walls. They would, and I'm not going to get too graphic, but they would pick people up and throw them against the wall or bash their heads into the wall. That's how they killed them a lot of times. So they're not a nice person. They're not a nice group. And they believe that in war, anything goes. If you know anything about current wars, and we we are supposed to be constrained by the Geneva Convention, they would have laughed at the Geneva Convention. They would not have played. They would have never even signed that one because they they fought, they fought dirty. Proverbs 22 and 8 says, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. Galatians 6 and 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What is America sowing now? What is the countries of the world sowing now? Discord, division, socialism. Anything goes. Everything. 
If it makes you feel good, do it. That's the way a lot of religion and religious orders are going. If it makes you feel good, do it. Because there's that sin, that's too harsh. As long as you don't hurt nobody, it's okay. No, it's not okay. No, it is not okay. Sin affects everyone around you. It does not matter what that sin is. It still affects everyone around you. My nephew is in prison for a crime. That crime was not perpetrated against me, but because he's my nephew, it affects me. My uncle shot and killed a man when he was younger. He's passed away now. And he went to prison as well. That wasn't perpetrated against me, but because he's my uncle, it affected me. And the man that he killed was cousin to a very good friend of mine. He was like a brother to me, as a matter of fact. And when we got back together, that was over a Thanksgiving break. And when we got back together after Thanksgiving, I looked at him and I said, Look, man, I know that that was your relative. And you know that he's my relative. But this shouldn't come between me and you. And he agreed. And it really, between us, it didn't affect our relationship but other members of his family and other members of my family it affected greatly three years later that was in the ninth grade when we graduated high school in the 12th grade my friend is up on us we had this like uh, we had built this bridge arched bridge and you could walk up on this arched bridge and you could get your picture made with whomever well my friend was up on that arched bridge and not thinking about what was going on around us or who was around us and we all called each other by our last names back then i yelled out his last name to tell him hey stop i want a picture with you and he yelled out my last name and a hush fell over the crowd because his family was there, my family was there. And they thought, oh, here it comes. And even the teachers got tense. And once we both realized what we had done, I went, I want a picture with you. He's come on up here, stupid. And we got up there and we had our picture made and the tension eased. But there for a split second or so, it got a little tense in that auditorium because they thought, oh, here it comes. Yeah, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right, right. <laughs> my, uncle was, my uncle was involved in a uh, feud that was worse than the Hatfields and McCoys. Ooh. It's just not as published as the Hatfields and McCoys. With that family? No, he, they weren't involved. This was a, the, the feud was in the 70s, but this, was, this happened in the uh, 80s that uh, my uncle killed this guy. And getting to that feud, I always go to see one of the little girls that got killed. I see her grave every time I go to that cemetery. I walk back to see her grave. She was 13 years old. She got killed. She fell over in my uncle's lap. 
it affects the families. It affects everybody around you. Sin affects everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's been said, and, and I'm going to go, I'm trying not to get too graphic, but they say that pornography is, the, is a victimless crime. It is not victimless. Now, whether it's a crime or not, I'm not going to debate that, but I will debate all day that it is not victimless. There are victims, the people that's on the TV or the computer or video or whatever you're watching. The people that are watching it, it affects them and it affects their families. It's not victimless. There is no such thing as a victimless crime. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What are we sowing? I asked what the countries and the world was sowing, but what are you mm -hmm. and I sowing today? Let's bring it home. What are we sowing today? If we're not sowing God and God's love, we're sowing the wrong seed. And what we're going to get is thistles and bramble and briars. Now, I will tell you that if you sow God's love, then Satan will come back behind you and sow the thistles and the bramble. But God's love is more powerful, much, much more powerful. Yes. And, you know, that's the. When we can get people to the altar, and we can get people to the altar just about all the time, but then that's where we leave them. We don't warn them that now it's going to get hard. Yeah. Now it's going to get ugly. Now Satan's really coming after you. Yeah. When you, when you have your faith and all that, and, and you believe, and, and you pray, and you believe, and you still struggle. Trust yes. me. I've, I've been going through this for yes. a month or so. I'm going to cry because I'm a weak guy. We got some tissues. We got some tissues around. Um, I don't see any. I've had that devil in the back of my head chirping, you know, the whole entire time. Because, yeah. you know, you go through your trials and your tribulations and you mm -hmm. go through life and it's messy. And, mm -hmm. of course, you got that devil and then you question yourself. And mm -hmm. you question yourself. And you question yourself. But you know what? God's always there. God is always, always there. Always there. And thank God he's always there. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have made it through all this chirping in my ear. Right. And telling me that I need to go back to the way I used to be. Oh, it was so much easier back then. Yeah. No, it wasn't. That's a falsehood. That's a lie straight from the Lord, gates of he hell. It is not. Sorry. So easy. Right. Well, you're not alone. You are not alone. We all struggle. And yeah. that's what as Christians But I'm telling that devil. As, as Christians, we, we like to think, well, I'm a Christian, I've got it together. And I'm going to speak specifically for the men here. A lot of times it's us guys. Oh, we're, we've got it together. We know what we're doing. We have no stinking clue. <laughs> we are shooting from the hips 98.9% .9 of the time. It's the truth. And we like to think that we're this macho, strong. Right. No, we're not. We're bunches of wimps. 
because Satan whispers in our ear. As a matter of fact, this morning, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. And then I get in the car and I get on the highway and it really didn't get pretty. <laughs> There's a white Impala out there that the driver needs to learn how to drive. You don't get in the fast lane and drive the exact same speed as the person you're beside. You're in the fast lane, you go fast. I got on New 16 coming up here because it's quick. And it's not too far off from the house. So I jumped on New 16. I'm coming up here. There's traffic getting onto New 16. I'm trying to get over, and this idiot is right beside of me. And there's a truck right on my tail. I backed off as much as I could, let the little white car, the Impala, get in front of me, and I whipped over so that the people aren't getting on the road could get on the road. I get back over in the slow lane. The white Impala has now matched speed for speed the car in front of me. And they're like joined at the car handles, the door handles. I'm like, speed up or slow down or something. I wasn't, I really wasn't wanting to pass. It was just irritating me. And I'm already irritated to begin with. And I'm like, uh, and I just, I had to get to church. I had to get to church. But, you know, it bothers. I've been serving the Lord for 37 years. That's not a long time for a lot of people, and that is a long time for others. Right. I've been teaching Sunday school for probably at least 30 of those 37 years, probably closer to 35 of those 37 years. And I'm like, I still get irritated. I still get that voice in the back of my head. It's the, human it's the sin nature in us. It rises up. It wasn't plucked out like some denominations tell you, oh, well, now that you're saved, you can't sin. No, you can and you will. And when you do, you, didn't, you shouldn't feel like a failure, but you should feel bad enough to say, Lord, I've done it again. Forgive me. When you first come to know the Lord, you probably stayed in the Bible, you probably read, you probably soaked it up, and as you get older in the Lord, your Bible reading slacks off. I've noticed this, even in my own life. I know that. There's always nuggets. There is always nuggets. Keep reading it. Yeah. Keep reading. Don't slack up. But you see, not just for myself, for other people yeah. also. But when I was struggling, right? Yeah. I really needed. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because he will open up every time. And, and he. And, he and you can. And I can feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you pray, when mm -hmm. you feel yeah. it. I don't know which goes first, the Bible reading or the prayer life. Yeah. I don't think they go at the same time. I think you They're slack up on one, 
and then that other one slacks off too. I don't think you slack up on both of them at the same time. I think you slack up on Bible reading and then your prayer life starts sliding. That's just my personal opinion. But you can't let up on any of it. You've got to stay in the Word and you've got to stay in tune with God. Speak to Him. Talk to Him. I've done a sermon yesterday morning for the James McPeters Evangelistic Ministry. And we we was I, my sermon was all about Isaiah forty and thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word wait. We we look at that word when we first read that scripture and we think, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. No, that. And we have we have a server in our class this today. You have waited on me when I've come to your restaurant. You wait on others. That's what that verse is talking about. We have to serve God. How do we serve God? By reading his word, by praying, and doing what he tells us to do. That's serving God. If Mm -hmm. you stay in your word and you keep praying and you do what God's telling you to do, you will not get weary of it. You will not burn Mm -hmm. out. Now, you get burned out when you Start doing it on your own. When you say, oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a magnificent cathedral to God. Before you get finished, you'll either be bankrupt or you'll be exhausted. If God didn't tell you to do it. Danny Thomas made a promise to God. God, if you will allow me to achieve, I'm going to use the word stardom. I don't think that's the word he used, but if you will allow me to succeed in as being an actor, I'll do something for you. And he held to his word. And that's how we have St. Jude's Children's Miracle Hospitals. is because of Danny Thomas. St. Jude was his. He founded it. He never got tired of working to make St. Jude's a reality because he was doing it for God. And the sad part about it is you don't see any of Danny Thomas's movies anymore. You can't find them. You don't see any of Marlo Thomas's movies either. Yeah, you bet. Like every once in a while, they'll have that girl on or something. Her sitcom. Yeah. Marlo. Yeah. Yeah, Marlo. Yeah, she was a beautiful woman. But you don't see any of their movies anymore. But that's just side note. If you do it for God, you won't get tired of doing it. You won't burn out. You burn out when you're doing it for yourself. I've been teaching for thirty years at least. Yeah, I've wanted to quit, but I've never been burned out because I don't, I know that there is a I teach for myself. I don't teach for you guys. I don't teach for you guys. I teach for me. I read and I study for me. And then if I find something that I I find interesting, I bring it to your attention. That's just the way I do things. What is it though that we're sowing? What is it that we're reaping? Right now, career-wise, and I may, you know, tick the devil off, career-wise, I am in an excellent spot, career-wise, because I've spent the time sowing and and planting and working and building, and I am in a really good spot career-wise. I'm, I'm pleased with that. If you can be pleased, I'm not proud, but I'm pleased with where I'm at. But it wasn't me that did it. It was God that did it through me. And... 
Am I that pleased or am I that proud or am I that okay with where I'm at spiritually? No, I'm not. Because even though I'm in a really good spot career-wise, I'm in a good spot spiritually, but there's always something I could do more, something I could do better, something I could learn, something I can enjoy. You know, there's always room for improvement, if you will. Verse 9, Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. We probably all know individuals that will do whatever it takes to succeed in whatever. I know individuals right now in ministry that will do whatever it takes to have a bigger congregation, to have a bigger church, to have a bigger popularity, not influence, popularity. They'll do whatever it takes. We have to be really, really careful in our walk with God, in what we were willing to do just to bring about what we think is the gospel. My preaching and teaching may never reach a lot of people, but if it reaches one, it succeeds in its mission. If it reaches out and it touches and helps change the life of one person, it has done exactly what it's supposed to do. It, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's about what God. And you, you think about it and you look at the one person. You never know who that one person is. And you never know what that one person is going through. See, you have to you have to be willing to allow God to direct and guide us and to guide you to that one person. And who knows, that one person may be the next Billy Graham. You never know. But if you don't do your job, the Spirit will move on someone else, and you will miss your blessing. You shouldn't do it for the blessing, though. Right. You should be doing it because that's what you are supposed to do. We never know who we're going to touch. We never know what that touch is going to mean. I spoke with my good friend a while ago that I had my picture made when we was graduating high school. And he revealed something about me. Right after my father passed away in 2015, I got in touch with him and said, Hey, man, let's do lunch. We hadn't sat down and ate and broke bread together in 30, 40 years. Let's, let's have lunch. You name the restaurant, and I'll be there. He said, Okay, let's do it. So he named the restaurant. We met. We sat in there. My wife and I, and he, we were sitting there laughing and cutting up and talking. And he looked at me when, when after, after a, you know, the laughing had subsided a little bit. He said, you want me to tell you something? The one thing I remember about you? Okay, I'm kind of scared now. 
He said, I remember several things about you. He said, your whistling drove us crazy, by the way. Just going to go ahead and tell you, your whistling drove us stinking crazy. You whistled all the time. And I thought it was just something I'd started. Apparently, I'd been whistling all of my life. Thank you, Roy. But he, he told me, he said, you always was smiling. He said, I never saw you without smiling except for a couple of times. He said, you were always smiling. That always meant something to me. He said, but the thing that I remember the most about you. Okay. What? He said, we were in a class and you got up and told the teacher something and sat back down. And the next thing we know, there's soft drinks by the cartloads coming into the classroom and there's chips and crackers and whatever and you fed everybody in that classroom you gave every one of us a soft drink and a bag of chips or crackers or whatever we wanted and it didn't cost us a thing he said i don't know how much it cost you he said but it didn't cost us a thing he said, and I will never forget that. He said, we're all laughing, we're all cutting up, we're all giggling, and having a good time and drinking the drink and eating the crackers because it was near the end of school. We wasn't doing a whole lot, so hey, let's have a party. He said, the biggest smile in the room was on your face. He said, you taught me more about giving then than I'd ever learned in my lifetime. And I went, I don't honestly remember this whole incident happening. I don't. And he was like, seriously, I said, you, you've never lied to me, Roy. I don't believe you're lying to me now. I just don't remember this ever happening. He said, it did, trust me. Okay. He said, but you taught me so much about giving back then. He said, and you've always been that giving person. And that's something that, you know, has changed because I'm not a giving person anymore, so don't even ask, okay? <laughs> don't go there. But we never know what... One little action or one little word or one little thing will mean to somebody. So we've got to always be willing to give what God has laid on our heart to whomever is in our path. No matter what it is. Maybe it's a God bless you. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe it's just to stop and say, did you need something? I had a man, and again, I don't tell you these things to puff myself up or pat myself on the back. But God has allowed me to be in the right place at the right time in various instances. Had an individual one time, just because I stopped and said, can I help you? He broke down in tears. And then I was like, oh crap, what did I do? And where, what do I do now? Get me out of here. I don't know what to do. But we, you never know. You never, ever know. And just Easter, it happened to me. Easter sunrise service. A little girl, the middle of sunrise service. A little girl got up and went to the altar. And she stayed at the altar for the rest of the service and beyond the minister that was doing the sunrise service was like, I, I, I really don't know what to do now. The service is over. She, the, he called her the little sister. I love that. The little sister was still at the altar. She's still praying. Don't know what she was praying for. But let me tell you, that moved me. 
that touched me in a way that I haven't been touched in a long time. And I got up and I hugged her and I kissed her on the top of her head. I know her dad. I kissed her on the top of her head. And I said, honey, you have done more for me than a lot of people have, has tried. Just you stand at the altar praying for whatever you was praying for. If that little, and she's about, I'm going to say eight to ten years of age. If she was willing to do that, why can't we? She was not leaving that altar until God met with her and talked to her. And when when he did, she got up. She was done. I don't know what she was praying for, but it touched me in a way that I haven't been touched in a long, long time. She blessed me in ways that she will never, ever know. Just her sweet little nature. Now, she had gotten up and sang a few songs. But when she went to that altar in the middle of preaching, not an altar call, middle of preaching and she stayed there a little eight to ten year old girl didn't care who was around her didn't care what the other little kids said about her didn't care what her dad thought didn't care what her mom thought didn't care what the preacher thought didn't care what any of us thought she was getting to that altar and she was going to make her petition known to God and she did and I will always remember that. That little girl touched me in a way that I haven't been touched in a long, long time. And guys, I had to find a Kleenex. I was back there going, <clears throat> I don't cry in public. I don't cry in public. I do not cry in public. And I got up and I hugged her and I, I put my arm around her and I kissed her on the forehead or on the top of the head. And I said, honey, you've blessed me in more ways than you'll ever know. And I walked back to my pew going, I do not cry in public. I do not cry in public. Well, I'm glad you cried that day. Yeah. That I'm little girl. That little sweet girl. And I, I was like, wow. If she can do it, why can't the rest of us? Why can't the rest of us? And that poor minister. I was, I was putting myself in his position. I wouldn't know what to do. Just pray with her. Pray with her. Do an altar call. Pray with her. But you know, I, I, the, the little sister's still praying. Keep praying, guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do. I'm done. That was it. That was my service. I don't know what to do. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Woe to anyone who tries to unlawfully gain things for their benefit. She was at that altar, not for her benefit. Not for, oh, look at her, look at her, look at her. Because kids can be cruel. They're going to say, yeah, look at her. She's at the altar. Ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. She's really screwed up. But I honestly believe she was praying for somebody. And maybe she was praying for me. I hope she was. I need to get my name in her, in her prayer list. Mm -hmm. And try to hide their house where nothing can get to them. There is no victimless crimes. And there is no victimless sins. We are all victims and if one of our family is doing wrong, it affects all of us. Uh -huh. And we should not ever believe that we can get to where we want to go on the backs of other people. We shouldn't. But so many people are willing and trying to achieve some greatness in their eyes. It's a greatness. In my eyes, it's not. But they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. We need to back away from that, whatever it takes, 
and let's look at what God says. We'll stop there. We didn't get very far. I apologize. But I will tell you this. A man was missing from church. Several weeks he had left. He had not been in church. And the pastor came by and, and knocked on the door. And the man, it was cold. He had a big fire going in the fireplace. And the man got up and let the pastor in and went and sat down in front of the fireplace. pastor came in and sat down in front of the fireplace with him. And they sat there without a word being spoken between the two men. And finally, right before the pastor got up to leave, he reached over with the tongs and he pulled an ember out of the fire and he laid it on the hearth. And when he first laid it on the hearth, it was glowing bright and hot, and, but it slowly started cooling and it slowly started losing its glow and becoming an ashy color. And now this man is watching this ember, this sole ember laying on the hearth. And as the preacher got up to leave, he picked up the tongs, he picked up the ember, he put it back in the fire, and it blazed back up, and he left, the pastor left. The very next week, the man was back in church. He said, well, I got that message loud and clear. The message is clearly, when you are a Christian and you're away from church, you're going to start getting dim, and you're going to start losing your fire and your glow. But when you're around like-minded believers, you can catch the fire from others. As, as uh, our buddy Kenneth said at the men's meeting, and unfortunately I wasn't there, but he did say, set me on fire. Catch me on fire. So that's what we need to pray this morning. We need to be mm -hmm. on fire for God. And we need to, you know, when you get away from your prayer life, you get away from your Bible reading, you get away from your church life, that's when you start losing that fire that's when you start losing that heat. That's when you start losing, period. Any questions, comments? We will start up with verse 10. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand as even you can. Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand on the pastors all over this nation, all over this world, the godly men and women that are standing up preaching and teaching, Lord. Lord, that you'll anoint their lips as they endeavor to bring forth their message and anoint the ears of the congregation and those that, to hear them, Lord. Anoint their ears so that they can hear and their hearts to understand, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.